breathe into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Look clearly at that verse, and there are two processes that are carried out. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. That was one process. He formed him, or one step. He formed man from the substance of the earth. Clay, dirt, ground, earth. Different terms the Bible uses for the same concept. Then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So we have the substance from the earth. That's physical. And that's from beneath. Then we have something from above. Let's call that spiritual. And while the spiritual aspect was absent, the physical had no meaning. It had no life. But it was beautifully formed. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 6, She that liveth for pleasure is dead while she liveth. Because the life of God is not in that person, she or he. I am saying, while the spiritual was up above, not yet breathed into the physical, the physical was just lifeless. God wants us to understand very early in Scripture that there is an unbreakable connection between the physical and the spiritual. And whenever that connection is damaged or harmed, both suffer the ill effects. And so God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Something from beneath, something from above. And God's ideal for His people is that His people will enjoy the highest expression of life when they understand that His desire for them is a combination of something from beneath that's physical and something from above that's spiritual. And that combination must not be tampered with. Genesis chapter 1, we see another example of the physical depending on that which is outside it and beyond it. It was never God's plan that earth and that which is a part of earth exists separately from that which comes from heaven. Genesis chapter 1 verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And God created great light, two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Now let us examine that information. Here is the earth. And God says, let there be lights where? In the firmament of the heaven, not on the earth. In the firmament. And so God made the sun. The sun is above. God made the moon. The moon is above. God made the stars, the stars are above. And the point, one of the many points we can learn from this is that earth must depend on an outside source for all its light. Are you following God's word? We are dependent on a source outside of ourselves for light. 
Now we know from John 1 verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Light is a symbol of life. Life comes from above. This flesh is not life, strictly speaking. It is an expression of the life. Because if God withdraws the life, this still remains. Someone tells me that the hair takes a long time before it decomposes, if it ever does, I'm not sure. Bones remain thousands of years, but the life is gone. The life comes from above. That I prefer to call today as the spiritual aspect of the person. No aspect of us is more important than the spiritual. And God desires that we will, in everything we do, remember that there is the spiritual and there is the physical. And the bond, the connection must remain unbroken. Moving from the connection between the spiritual and the physical, let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's stay in chapter 1, read from verse 29. Then we'll go to 2. Verse 29, Genesis 1, And the Lord God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for what? For meat. Now God gives clear instructions to Adam regarding the diet he should follow. Now he simply tells him in verse two of chapter, verse 15 of chapter 2, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden to dress it and to keep it. He gives no details about how to dress it nor how to keep it. But he goes into detail as to what Adam and Eve should eat. Because eating is an expression of holiness. You read Leviticus 11, that very popular chapter where all the foods that should be eaten are listed and those that should not be eaten are listed. You read from verse 44 down to the end of that chapter, you will see that God concludes by saying, Ye must be holy because I am holy. Let me tell you something. Health habits are a clear expression of sanctification. It is not enough to leave the environs of this church and then head for some restaurant and eat without the consciousness that I am a holy being. My holiness must affect how I make my selections, whether in a restaurant or at my home. My holiness must affect me. And so many of us are sick, I say, because we have violated God's laws for healthful living. And healthful living is not strictly physical. It is a combination of healthy physical and healthy spiritual. Let me repeat with sympathy as your brother in Christ and in trials and tribulation. As John said to the churches, your brother and companion in tribulation and in the patience and kingdom of Jesus Christ as you are, so am I. As I said to the congregation this morning, people in my position carry a heavy burden because we're speaking about standards to people and we are no different from they are. 
So sometimes we feel so hypocritical, but we have to do the work. God requires that our religion be expressed in every aspect of our lives. How we dress affects our health. Any amens? Let me say it again. How we dress affects our health. Where we live affects our health. How we breathe affects our health. How much of a good thing we eat affects our health. Health is first and foremost a spiritual matter. Because it is rooted in the sixth commandment, Thou shalt not kill. And many people kill themselves slowly by how they eat and how they drink and how much pressure they put themselves under for no good reason other than perhaps money and prestige. Destroying the temple of God which he has given to us and as I read to the congregation this morning, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 45, paragraph 2, man was made to bear God's image in outward resemblance and in character. We must look like God. But if we let our bodies go, disregard our health, we confuse people as to what a true Christian is. A true Christian doesn't only wear long dresses or long shirts. A true Christian is one who understands and realizes, and let me add to the, a true prophetic end time Christian, is one who understands that the right arm of the gospel is what? Health message. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 15. We may come back to Genesis 2. Exodus 15. It's 28 after 5. I want to be finished by 5.45. Exodus chapter 15. Here is what God promises the Israelites. Can God lie? Numbers 23.19. God is not a man that he should lie. Here is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Exodus 15.26. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will keep his commandments and give ear to all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon you that I have brought upon the Egyptians. I am the Lord that does what? The healeth thee now. There are people who accuse faithful Christians of fanaticism. Just because the faithful Christian has decided anything God tells me to do, I'll do. Let's read that verse again. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. What does diligently mean? Carefully. You know when you're studying for final exam? That's what I mean by diligently. You're doing some research that will put you in line for tenure? That's what I mean by diligently. 
You just finished your PhD dissertation, you're about to present it to your committee. That's what I mean by diligently. If thou wilt diligently hearken to whom? The voice of the Lord thy God, not the advertising slogans of McDonald's. Or Wendy's and her cousins. But if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and for the Seventh-day Adventists, the voice is God's word. And I like to think of Ellen White's writings as the echo. And will do that which is right in his sight, not yours. Not the Food and Drug Administration. Not the sugar industry. And will do that which is right in his sight. And will keep most of the commandments. And give ear to the overwhelming majority of his statutes. Do you know God is an all or nothing God? I told you that maybe last week. He's all or nothing. You can't serve God on layaway. Now God says, if you'll do that, look at the four things. They're all related. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and keep all his commandments, and give ear to all his statutes. Now, is that fanaticism? Or is that strict obedience? A few years ago, a friend of mine was writing an article for one of the church's publications. So I got a call from the friend, can you help me with the article? Fine, we worked on it. It was submitted for publication. It was supposed to be an article on love, I think. And in the article, my friend wrote, we must maintain strict, we must give God strict obedience to remain in his love. Something like that. Very similar to John 15.10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The editor contacted my friend and said, we cannot publish this. If you will take out strict obedience, we'll publish it. We're trying to preach love, not legalism. That's what my friend was told. There is something in the church that causes members to react almost allergically to the, to the expression strict obedience. Now there's a simple explanation for that. Romans 8, 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. But if we will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and keep his commandments and give ear to all his statutes, God has promised with heaven and earth as witnesses, I will put how many diseases? None. Now let's think. 
none. Upon you that I have brought upon the Egyptians. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Do you see the connection between health and obedience to God? Let's go to Exodus 23, verse 25. By the way, the subject is lose weight, find life. I promised to do this later next week, but I'm doing it now. Exodus 23, verse 25. Moses speaking for God. And ye shall serve the Lord your God. God shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No lie. But notice the first line of verse 25, Exodus 23. And ye shall do what? Serve. Now what does it mean to serve the Lord your God? Let me show you. Go to Deuteronomy, uh, Joshua 24, verse 24. Joshua 24, verse 24. Do we have it? The Bible says, And all the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we do what? Serve. And His voice will we what? Obey. Now those two expressions are virtually the same thing. To serve God is to what? Obey God. That's why when the devil came to Jesus and said, All these will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Jesus said, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. The highest expression of worship is plain and simple obedience. Not the size of your pipe organ. Although I love pipe organs. Not how much the carpet costs, although we ought to give God the best. That temple in Jerusalem was the most magnificent building of its time, but Jesus left it. And ye shall serve the Lord your God. Health comes from a spiritual source obedience to God let's go to Psalm 103 reading verses 1 to 3 Psalm 103 verses 1 2 and 3 bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the Lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits read verse 3 with me if you have the King James Version nice and loud who forgiveth all thine iniquities who healeth most of thy diseases. But what's the line before heal thy diseases? What does it say? Who forgiveth spiritual health and physical health are Siamese twins joined at the heart. Let's go to James chapter 5. 25 minutes to 6 according to that clock. James 5, reading from verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Now read the next part with me. And if he hath what? Committed sins. Here again we have physical healing with what? Spiritual restoration. They cannot 
be separated because sickness is the result of sin. My favorite Bible writer, who is that? Ellen White. She said the devil is the originator of sickness. She didn't say this, but I'm saying it. We cooperate with the devil too much. And we fall sick. A sick person cannot serve God like a healthy person. You following me? I don't care how much desire you have. An army with six soldiers will lose that war. Soldiers are to be on the battlefield, not in sick bay. And we must feel a moral Ten Commandment obligation to be in the best fighting shape we can regardless of age. How old was Moses when he died? How much arthritis did he have? None. What does the Bible say of Moses when he died? His eyesight was he didn't need this. And his physical strength undiminished. Now, does God play favorites? No. That's God's desire for people on the very brink of the promised land. Jesus did more healing than preaching. But every healing miracle was designed to teach the spiritual lesson that God desires to heal us spiritually. So sometimes he said, thy sins be forgiven thee first. That's where the problem lies. God is not concerned primarily with symptoms. He's concerned with causes. Because causes lead to effects. You nip the cause in the bud, you do not have to spend money on the effect. Too many people get rich off dealing with effects. Let's keep the money in the church. Go build some schools in Africa and some churches in Asia and some small Ellen White clinics in Philippines and something where people have need. Not like us, we don't know what to do with our money. Let, let's keep it and send it to our brothers overseas somewhere. Thou shalt not kill. My beloved brothers and sisters, I'll ask you a question, don't answer me. Are we killing ourselves by the way we eat? I have, I know someone, let me be safe, you never know where these tapes go. I know someone who needs to make some changes in what goes into that person's mouth and just will not do it. We don't understand that when Satan came into the Garden of Eden, he did not tempt Eve to slap Adam. Spousal abuse, you know. He, he didn't do that. He came to her on the ground of appetite. Is appetite a sin? No. Was Eve made with appetite? Was she made perfect? Was Adam made perfect? Did he have an appetite? Yes. 
But the devil has this uncanny ability to induce us to take that which God has given us for our blessing and his glory and misuse it for the devil's credit. And we ought to apologize to God for that. An open and free apology. God is so merciful and God is so great that when he designed this body, he designed it so well that even after 6,000 years of the ravages of sin, the immune system is still so vigorous and robust that it can deal with just about anything for a while. And then it breaks down like any other machine. In no other way do we damage ourselves more than in our eating habits, our health habits. The devil came to Adam and Eve through appetite. And when something works for Satan, he doesn't change it. I don't want to follow his example, but you can't blame him for that. Love works for God, so he doesn't try another strategy. Can I have amens on this side? So when Jesus began his public ministry, Matthew 4 verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came, he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Same temptation in that it appealed to appetite. Now it's one thing to tempt a man who hasn't eaten since four o'clock today. Quarter to six, hour and fifteen minutes. You can't die. But to tempt a man in the area of appetite who has not eaten for forty days? But Jesus knew that this is the avenue to the soul with the largest door if the devil can open it. And through it, he and his demons don't file one by one. They come in as a crowd. The avenue of appetite which should be kept locked and the key place in the hand of sanctified reason. Somebody say amen. amen. Appetite threw us out. Victory over appetite in Jesus will get us back in. Amen. You know, eating is important to God. Now, in the new world, which will be right here, we still have the tree of life, Revelation 22, verse 1, and verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which yielded twelve manna fruits, and bare her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. The tree of life will be there with twelve manner of fruit. Whether they're twelve different fruits each month, or each month there's one fruit different from the other, I'm not sure, and I really don't care. In the new world, we can't die. But we still have to eat. Are you following me? There is something critically important about eating. God desires that throughout eternity we will maintain our immortality through eating from the tree of life. 
we will maintain it because no one is immortal independent of God not even immortality is a self-contained reality you have to depend on God for continuing immortality through the tree of life now God uses eating he moves it from the physical he doesn't detach it he just slides it up to the spiritual and Jesus says eat my flesh and drink my blood John 6.63 let me tell you something in John 6.53 Jesus said verily verily I say unto you except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood ye have what? no life now when Jesus said that was he speaking to living people? yes so what did he mean by no life? no eternal life Eternal life is in God's Word. I didn't say it's in the ink and the paper. Eternal life is in God's Word. Now understanding that, we are born again by God's Word. James 1.18, of His own will begat He us by the Word of truth. Being born again, not of corruptible, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We are converted by the word of God as much as the world was created by the word of God. God functions by his word. Now, I need to do everything under the sun to be sure I understand this life-giving word. How I eat affects how I understand. How I eat affects whether I'm irritable or pleasant. How I eat affects if my animal passions will rage out of control. Health. Health is not the business of some HMO. Health is the business of God. And all the counsel we need is here and amplified in the writings of my favorite writer. Who's that? Ellen White. Can you say amen for Ellen White? Amen. That woman is something else or was something else. Still continues to be something else through her writings. I was reading counsels on health today and I had to make sure no one saw the embarrassed look on my face when I read some of the things she said to me. I wish I could recall this quotation. I don't remember where I saw it. This means I'm coming to the end. She said, the devil knows. I'm going to step down, so Mr. Cameraman, just want to warn you. Ellen White says, and you can find it, the devil knows if we gain the victory over appetite, every other temptation is easier to resist now do I need a greater motivation to watch my health then if we are sitting here or standing here and we know in the privacy the inner sanctum of our soul there is some vice I have wrestled with for years maybe we should begin the remedial activity 
in the area of the appetite. There are rapists in prisons for life because they could not control the animal passion. The people who have wasted their lives, misspent their vital energies because they could not control the lower passions, which were put there by God. God invented appetite for our enjoyment. But as I said, to be placed under the control of a sanctified reason. As you sit, stand, Minister Six, I must move on. As we assemble here, I want you to think. Because the miracle working power of God is not to be seen as an ATM machine. God has a lifestyle we must follow. But sometimes God does unusual things because He's God, and we can't really restrict Him and tell Him what to do. God has a lifestyle. And the lifestyle is healthy living. That's the lifestyle he desires for us. If we would follow it as a people, sickness would not characterize us as it does now, despite our claims based on research that we're the healthiest people in the world. But sometimes God does remarkable things, as he always has. But it's essential that you and I make a pledge here today. God, I will begin to take my health seriously as a matter of spiritual life and death. Many people cannot understand the prophecies because of how we eat. Not because the words are long or they don't know Hebrew. The enlightenment God desires to send is blocked because the faculties for comprehension and reasoning are numb and deadened and decaying and lifeless based on constant bombardment from a faulty diet. So God's greater desire is not to perform a miracle on your kidney but to perform a miracle on your will. That you may choose to obey him and then see the blessings flow like Niagara. But God is so merciful, Psalm 103 verse 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquity. You know, if, if, if God would count sins, who would stand? Who? No one. And so we're coming today to, ble to plead and beg for mercy. And to tell God, Father, from this day on, I, by your grace and the constant uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit, will pay attention to my health practices. That I may be a walking billboard for what a Seventh-day Adventist prophetic end-time Christian should be like. Because the transformation that occurs in the heart should be seen on the outside. Let you, I want you to think now, if you and I know, try to focus on what I'm saying, that we are now as we sit and stand in violation of God's health laws, which are as sacred as the moral law because they come from the moral law. If you know 
I want you to make a pledge now. Say to God, Father, I apologize for disregarding one aspect of your will for me and expecting you to do everything else I want in this side of your will for me. I apologize for having a pick-and-choose relationship with you. And I apologize for mistreating my body and in so doing, damaging my soul. I want us, if we are aware of having done that, to apologize to God today, now. If that fits you, I want you to stand up. Now we will pray. We will pray. We'll pray quietly. We will confess that we have abused our bodies by our practices. Lack of sleep, no rest, no exercise, no sunshine, no fresh air, no water, no trust in God. Whatever law of health we have smashed to pieces, we will apologize to God. After quiet prayer, then I will pray. Then we'll move in to the anointing praying service for the sick. Every head bowed, praying quietly. I'll give you a minute and a half. Our Father in heaven, we bow in your presence, acknowledging you as God of heaven and earth on a universal scale, our personal Father on an intimate level. Lord, if it were not for your mercy, we would have been wiped off the face of the earth with good cause. Father, our heads and our hearts are so hard. We are so stubborn. We are determined to serve you our way. Father, we bring to you a repentant heart this afternoon. You cry out in Deuteronomy 5.29, Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and obey me and keep all my commandments always that it may be well with them and their children forever. This is the heart you want. And Lord, today, to the best of our abilities, we give you a heart now that is willing to obey you. Forgive us for violating your sacred laws of health. 
And in so doing, we have damaged the image that we should reflect of you. And by reflecting a partial image, we have confused those who need to see Jesus in us. Lord, we have no idea perhaps how wide our baleful influence has spread. And we can only apologize in sackcloth and ashes today. Oh Lord, we are sorry for the kinds of people we are. We are no different from the ancient Israelites. But Lord, we want to be different. And so we say again, we are sorry. Forgive us. We apologize freely and openly. You are a God of mercy, Lord. You do not hold grudges. Wipe our slate clean today. Cast our sins of injurious health habits behind your back and into the depth of the sea from which they will not surface. Now, Lord, give us a converted heart that understands the physical and the spiritual cannot be broken. You said in 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. The things of the flesh, they, God, they damage the soul, which is the spiritual. And we have to understand that. So, Lord, whatever embarrassment we have caused you, by not being the people we should be. We are sorry. All the occasions we have fallen to the temptation of appetite and the lust of the flesh and caused the devil to stick his finger in your face and say, See, we apologize for that. We're sorry for hurting you and hurting you and hurting you. How can you take it, God? But we, we thank you for your eternal capacity to take pain. But we don't want to continue doing it. Sorry, Father. Sorry. My voice is the voice of those gathered before you. We are sorry. Lord, show that divine class that you have and forgive us fully and freely. And let our hearts be stirred by gratitude for bible says in first john 4 19 we love him because he first loved us we accept your forgiveness because you cannot lie you've said if we confess our sins you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so father we stand now with a clean slate we do not deserve but for which we thank you put your spirit into our hearts the spirit that wrote the Ten Commandments, the spirit of obedience, the spirit of love, the spirit of worship expressed in service and obedience, the very spirit of Christ. Put it in us, I pray, that through us, Lord, you may receive henceforth and forever glory, 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 as you are lived out in our lives. Now, Lord, as we enter into the service, special prayer for the sick, we ask that your will be done. This is not an expression of cowardice. We want your will to be done. But Father, we also want to tell you what we would like. Because you said, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he shall give us the desires of our hearts. Father, as I pray, you've said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I'm praying for my afflicted brothers and sisters as I would have them pray for me. What we want, Father, is relief from our physical ailments. What we want is healing in our bodies. Oh Lord, do this for us. 
And we will try by the grace of God to let our lives be an ongoing symphony of thanks and praise to your holy name. We don't want to play with you, God. You're not a child. We don't want to toy with you. We respect you for who you are. We fear you. We're not afraid of you, but we fear you. We reverence you. We honor you. You are the God of heaven and earth. You are good God, the Father of glory, and we thank you for that. Now in the name of Jesus, Lord, prepare our hearts for the service as we move from one aspect to the next. I offer this prayer on behalf of your people and myself. In Jesus' name, let all forgiven people say with me, Amen. And amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Brother Norman, would you just help me uncover the table? During the service this past week, we announced the prayer for the sick, and we made some recommendations for spiritual preparation, which was, if someone has offended you, forgive that person if you can reach the person. If you've sinned against someone, apologize to that person. And if there's something in your life now that you know is wrong, confess it. Seek forgiveness, victory, and deliverance. These three were essential. The fasting was optional even though I didn't say that. If you have made the preparations based on these three things, if you're also representing someone, I want you to stand. Let me speak with brotherly clearness. If you have not made the preparations, do not stand. What I will do, judging on the numbers, will those in the balcony please come down? Come down now, so we can be physically together in a more precise way. And I hope there are prayers going up all over this place. Service of this kind is not a spectator sport. We must always be in prayer. Please. We wait for our brothers and sisters to come down. Come all the way down. Just occupy this side over here, that side over there. God bless you. My kind sister, some soft, quiet music maybe to God be the glory quietly talking about how glorious he is it's a music of expectation music of faith for what God will do could you just come and stand to the left right to the left yes those who came from the balcony right to the left If there are any ministers in the congregation, could you come and stand with me, please? So I'm not alone. Just come and stand with me. Any pastors, just come and stand with me. 
You need not do anything, but I just need your physical presence next to me. God bless you. And I know I can count on you to pray quietly if no one else does, but I believe there are prayers going up from the congregation. Thank you very much. Let's pray over the symbol. Just the symbol. Our loving Father, as we're about to engage in this service, I present to you the symbol of the Spirit. Lord, the symbol of the work that should take place on our hearts. Ellen White writes, your servant, that the oil is a symbol of the work of the Holy Spirit on our hearts. That's where it has to begin, dear God, in the heart, meaning, of course, the mind, so that our decisions are right and our bodies can benefit. We offer this to you for this service. We thank you you've invited us to do this. Now, Father, demonstrate your glory in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I will ask those of you who are here, just, to just come forward a little bit. I'll just briefly touch your forehead. According to James 5, 14 to 15, step back please you can step back Did I miss anyone Did I miss anyone all right can I have the first three rows from here just come down the center island come this way First three rows. Step back slightly. Did I miss anyone here? Okay. I guess they were. Um, perhaps my sister can be seated right there somewhere. My dear sister here, make sure she's seated for me, please. Thank you very much. The first two rows here, if you just step forward as you are lined up. The second row, just come and stand behind. Thank you for those of you who are praying. Could you just step back? Let those behind you step forward. 
you can return to your seats and remain standing the next two rows back here just come forward those of you here who came from the first two rows you can return to your seats thank you <coughs> just two clear lines two clear lines please first line come forward come forward so the other line can form behind you second no you are okay just return to your seats did I miss anyone all right the next two rows on this side please come forward we should be done by 6:30, but we want to do everything decently and in order Just come a little closer to me, please. Would someone grab my Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 20, and read the Ten Commandments for us? You may return to your seats. Exodus 20. Is that microphone working? Just read the Ten Commandments. Let's have the next rows on this side. Just come forward. Hear the word of God. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, yes. which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, mm -hmm. out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, jealous. am a jealous God, mm -hmm visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not <coughs> hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Revelation chapter 14. And now we're reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 14. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, as a voice of many waters, and as a voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty-four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women for their virgins, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Have we overlooked anyone? Thank you. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, thy great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. 
And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of the torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Amen. Has anyone been missed? We made the preparation. Wherever possible, I'd like us to kneel. Wherever possible. Our Father in heaven, we, your people, kneel in your presence this afternoon. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for your word that guides us and directs our lives. Lord, we must take a little while to praise you for your goodness. We say with the psalmist in Psalm 34 verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. And because of your goodness to us, Father, if you never did anything else for us, we can spend the rest of our lives praising your name because you have been good. And we lift up our voice to say publicly, you are a good God. You have blessed us. You have caused us no harm, but we have caused you trouble. Ah, Father, thank you for being so good, so merciful, so righteous, a mighty God who destroys the enemies of his people, but also who punishes his people when they stray from his law. Lord, we ask you to look upon us with favor. Because in heaven next to you is someone who looks just like us, Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, Father, we come to you in his name that you may not see us, but see him. And there's nothing you will deny him. We know that. Lord, we have confessed to those whom we have hurt. We have given forgiveness to those who have hurt us. We have tried by your abiding grace to confess our sins and put them away. And now we come asking you to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves and what we confess we do not deserve. Lord, in the name of Jesus, look upon us with mercy, compassion. You said in Psalm 103, verse 14, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pity of them that fear him. We kneel in need of pity from you, dear Father. Lord, we are spiritually sick, and we need to be restored and healed, plain and simple. And our spiritual sickness is not your fault. We hold you innocent and harmless. And we kneel guilty. Forgive us for that, we pray. We can never ask forgiveness too often. Lord, heal our hearts. 
Dig out sin from our hearts, we pray. Our sickness stems from our sin. Root sin out and remove it, Father. Leave no evil root of wickedness in us. Remove it, root and branch, and destroy it. Let sin from henceforth be the ashes under our feet. And let our lives be a continual attempt to praise your name. You also said in Psalm 103, verse 13, he remembers our frame. He knoweth our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Lord, because we are dust, we feel the aches and pains of our mistakes. And we're asking you now for relief and deliverance from our physical ailments. Lord, whatever the disease is, the affliction is, the condition is, the disability is, Whatever the weakness is, we ask you in the name of Jesus who healed everyone who came to him. Father, we ask you in his name to have mercy upon us. And first for your name's sake and for your glory, eh, indeed for your glory alone, we ask you to place your healing hand upon us. And for the sake of Christ. And in his name we ask you, Lord, strengthen our bones, put healing into our bodies. Lift us up from our affliction, we pray that we will have on our lips a testimony to give of the mercy of God, of the goodness of God. Father, we cannot command you, but we can plead. We cannot tell you, but we can bring to you our wishes, our desires. Heal us from our sickness, Lord. And we say today, if you will do this by your grace, we will live differently according to your laws of health. Amen. Oh, Father, hear us. There's nothing impossible for you. Hear us. Heal us, restore us, strengthen us, but above all, save us, we pray. We offer this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. And for His sake, let all God's people say, Amen and Amen. We thank you, Father. We thank you and we praise your holy name. Put into our hearts a love for your law. Make us obedient people, Father. Let us be able to stand up to the, to the ridicule of the world when we live in obedience to your laws. Bless us. Bless us, you're a good God, and we thank you for that. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. While you're standing and sitting, gentlemen, just stay with me, if you will. Keep in mind, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus met ten lepers. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priests. Because they cried out and said, Jesus, have mercy on us, meaning heal us. Most of Christ's healings were immediate. That's probably what they thought he'd do. And he does it sometimes. But he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. The Bible says, Came to pass while they were on their way. You know what that means? We promise God today we'll obey His laws. Come on, say amen. amen. While we are on our way to doing that, some of us will be fully restored. Some are probably restored now and you don't know. God may have fixed your kidney, your gallbladder, your stomach, I don't know. But for some of us, it may come while we are on our way of obedience to his will 
A blind man came to Jesus once. Jesus touched his eyes. And he did not see perfectly at once. He said, I see men how? Like trees. So what Christ may have done for you now is to give you a start. To show you, okay, I accept you. I forgive you. Here's a start. Now let me see what you do with that start. But I do believe God has been merciful. Do you love Jesus? I love Jesus. I love God. Can you say praise God? Let's stand. Father, I know what I have seen you do from country to country. I have seen it with my eyes. And the power you have overseas, you have here. In this land, I believe Ellen White said, no land has been more blessed that the sun has shone upon than these United States. And you can do your wonders here. Lord, we believe, we accept the greatest wonder you can do is change your life. So, Father, we thank you for the demonstration of your power in your way. And we will leave this place now carrying the conviction that we must obey you. That you may bless us with health, physical and spiritual. Lord, our worst disease is not disease of the kidney. It's not some disease of the heart. It is the disease of Laodicea. And I'm asking you, Father, remove that cancer from us. Grant us your spirit. Grant us the spirit of the apostles and more. Grant us the spirit of our pioneers and more. Grant us the spirit of Daniel and more. Yea, grant us the spirit of Jesus Christ. The spirit that will make us obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Grant us that spirit. Now as we go, the sun has not yet set perhaps. Keep us conscious that while anyone can keep the Sabbath, only a holy person can keep it holy. So let us go forth holy, renewed, forgiven, and eager to serve. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name and for His sake. Let all God's people say, Amen and Amen. God bless you. We will see you tomorrow at Restoration. I believe the time is... 6.45, back in our usual location, Gentry Gym.